0: follow with me I am going to go ahead and read verses 22 through 40 just so we'll have the first portion of this discourse in our thinking on the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone other boats from Tiberius came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. they said to him sir give us this bread always Jesus said to them I am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out for I have come down from heaven Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Pray with me. Father, we add our voices to that of the crowd, asking you to give us this bread of eternal life. We confess, Lord, that that bread is Jesus. So, Lord, we recognize the only way we can find life eternal with you in heaven is through Jesus Christ. Lord, there are so many ways that we stand like the crowd So, Lord, I pray that you would illuminate our thinking, that your spirit would work in our hearts, that we would hunger for you you and your word, for your word is truth. And we desperately need truth. Father, we ask you to be glorified. And whatever we need, Father, if it is a word of encouragement, a word of affirmation, a word of conviction, or a word of comfort we trust you to supply exactly what we need i ask this through jesus christ my lord amen john 6 is a chapter that is power packed to say the least two miracles of jesus are recorded in the chapter we've covered those already in previous sermons the first miracle where Jesus feeds 5,000 with what really isn't enough to feed one little boy. And not only did Jesus feed this large multitude, he had baskets left over. So there were plenty of leftovers to be shared. Then after the disciples have left that place where they, Jesus fed the 5,000, Jesus comes walking to them upon the water. The Scripture is clear that only Yahweh walks upon the waves of the sea. So if Jesus is is skipping across the surface of the water, and that is only something that God can do, then Jesus must be God incarnate, Yahweh in the flesh. Now verses 22 through 24 set the scene. The crowd that had been left on the other side of the sea now wonder where Jesus is. We're starting to put two and two together. The disciples came in one boat. We saw the disciples leave in that boat, but Jesus was not with them. So where is Jesus? And So making their way around the edge of the sea, they end up in Capernaum. Now at the very end, or toward the end of this chapter, we find out in verse 59 that the discourse that Jesus teaches here that we are in the middle of actually took place in the synagogue in Capernaum. So it's as if the crowd committed to follow Jesus and they ended up in this synagogue and Jesus begins teaching them. And on the heat of those two miracles, Jesus addresses the real issue at hand. He looks at the crowds and he says, You're seeing the signs for the Messiah, but you're missing the Savior. You're caught up in everything that I've done, but you're missing the point of them. In fact, in many ways, you could say what was happening to the disciples is something that has probably happened to a lot of us. Have you ever had this occur? You're getting ready to go somewhere, and the sun is shining bright, so you need your sunglasses. Or, or you've got something you need to read, and so you need your glasses. And you start looking around for your glasses. Where are my glasses? I know I had them. They were near the, the nightstand last night. They're not on the nightstand Are they downstairs in the kitchen? No, I don't think I had them in the kitchen. Where are my glasses? And then your your child or your spouse says, what's that on top of your head? It's your glasses. What you were looking for the whole time was really right in front of you. That's where this crowd is. Now the question we wrestle with is this. How could they see these miracles, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000? How could they hear the word of Jesus walking up on the water, but yet miss the point? The fact that they struggle to understand shows the issue is not with their visual perception. The issue is with what their heart can see. The issue is the ability to understand, the ability to, to comprehend Spiritually, what these miracles mean. It's very interesting with everything that they had seen and heard. Look at verse 30. They asked Jesus for another sign. Jesus has said, You want to do the works of God, then believe. And then, ironically, in verse 30, they say, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? It almost makes you want to laugh. He's spent 5,000. They've heard rumors. And remember, prior to this, Jesus' reputation was growing and that he had turned water into wine. He had healed the sick. He had re- even raised the dead. And now they're saying, okay, Jesus, prove to us. But in a way, this really shouldn't surprise us. You know, people, we're really the same, aren't we? When you get right down to it, how many times have you heard somebody say, If the Lord does this, then I will believe. Or maybe you've thought that yourself. If Jesus is real, then prove it by filling the blank. Lord, if you're really there, then let me get this job. Lord, if you're real, then bring this about. There's always one more thing we're seeking to validate who Jesus is. And that shows us why signs will never be enough to believe. Jesus addresses the heart of the problem. Like a good physician, he doesn't just deal with the symptoms, he deals with the root of the illness. And that's why he explains that even those who look for signs, even those who say, Lord, prove to me that you're real, may miss the Savior. Verses 26-27, through Jesus reveals the first reason we seek signs and miss the Savior. It's because we live for the needs of the moment rather than the reality of eternity. That's where the crowds are, and that's where we find ourselves. In verses 26 and 27, Jesus cuts to the chase. There's no spin, no beating around the bush. He looks at him and he says, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, not because you recognize that something greater is here. You're seeking me because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, you're following me, Jesus says, because you want a 24-hour, all-you-can-eat buffet. Now, food is a necessity of life. But the desire to meet that need can blind us to our real needs. Getting caught up in what we see as the needs of our life can blind us to the real need. That's the basis of temptation. Will we give in to the immediate present desire for what we think we need? Or will we trust God to supply what we need? Will we recognize that all the material things that we long for are simply pointing us to the real eternal spiritual needs that really are at the root of our desires? Whether it be sexual temptation or stealing. Whether it be gossiping to boost up our feelings of superiority. Or greed that says, just give me a little bit more money and then I'll be satisfied satisfied, we are falling into the trap of thinking that material things can meet spiritual needs, but they never will. We need to ask ourselves, what's behind the things that we desire? Now, granted with food, we say, "Well, I've got to eat to live, and that's true. But Jesus is saying that desire for food that we have to come back to two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times a day should be pointing us to something deeper. That's why Jesus uses food as a platform to teach about who he is. He says, you eat this food, you'll hunger again. But if you come and you partake of the bread of life, you'll never hunger again. It will satisfy eternally. So we need to begin by asking ourselves, what drives our desire for material things? What we'll find is we desire security. We desire power. That's what often drives greed. It's the idea that if we get more, then we'll be secure. If I just have this amount of money in the bank, if I have this car, if I have this house, then I will feel secure, and then I'll have power to make what I want happen. But this is what happens. In the end, once we get what we think will satisfy, we become fearful and worried that it will be taken away. So now instead of of thinking, well, I need security, we find ourselves less secure because we feel like we've got to hold on to it. We need more and more. And so we find ourselves being controlled by fear because we've tried to address a spiritual need with something in the material world. We all have the desire to be known and to be loved. Every one of us. Tim Keller stated it very poignantly when he said, we all have the desire to be loved and to be known. Our greatest fear is that we will be loved and not really known. Or we will be known and not really loved. But today in our world, the message is proclaimed very loudly and clearly that love is equated with physical intimacy. And so what happens is people searching People like you and like me that are searching to be known and to be loved begin engaging in physical intimacy and then we find that it's not as satisfying. It doesn't give everything that was promised and so we move from relationship to relationship to relationship leaving a little bit of our soul behind in the process. Why? We're seeking bread that fills for just the moment. The irony is that in the end, the idols that we think will bring us freedom end up enslaving us. In the fall of 2017, Yale University offered what came to be the most popular course ever offered. Twenty-five percent of the undergraduate students at Yale signed up for psychology and the good life. Dr. Lori Santos, who teaches it, says that the goal of her course was this, to teach students how to lead a happier, more satisfying life. And one of the key lessons that she taught the Yale undergraduates is this, The things that are most associated with achieving happiness, high grades, a prestigious internship, a good paying job, do not increase happiness at all. She says, quote, our intuitions about what will make us happy, like winning the lottery and getting a good grade, are totally wrong. Now I don't know what research she's basing that on but I could tell her this if you read God's word you'll find the same truth Those things satisfy only momentarily So Jesus breaks through that Look at verse 27 He says point blankly don't do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life which the son of man will give you For on him God the Father has set his seal Now remember Jesus is just using food as a teaching platform he is basically saying don't work for things of this earth thinking you'll satisfy your deepest longings the deepest longings that you and I have can only be met by the one who created us. So he says, don't spend your life seeking that which will not really satisfy. Seek that, rather, which will satisfy your soul forever. If you long for love, seek love that is eternal. If you long for peace, seek peace that is eternal. If you long for security, seek security that is eternal. And the food that we need, the peace we need, the love we need, the security we need is not found upon on this earth it is found in Jesus himself Amen. that's why Jesus says in verse 35 I'm the bread of life next week we'll unpack that more he says I'm the life-giving bread I'm what will satisfy you I will give you what you need and to show this Jesus says God the Father has set his seal on me now Jesus doesn't identify what that seal is we could look through the, even the Gospel of John and we could ask well Is it the the signs? You could say yes. Is it the baptism where God the Father speaks and He says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am pleased. We could say yes. But I would tell you this, on this side of the cross, we can look back and we can say the final validation of who Jesus is is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's the final validation. God has validated who Jesus is. That's why questions that we ask if God will do this or if God will do that are really overlooking that God has done the greatest thing to prove who Jesus is and that is the resurrection from the dead. So the question becomes this, what is our ultimate goal? Jesus is pointing out to the crowd, you're missing me because you're focused only on the here and now. So what are we focused on? Do we want something that satisfies for a moment or something that satisfies forever? This issue of a goal is the crucial question we need to ask because behind it is this. What are we living for? What do we see as the sum total of our life? You probably saw pictures from the news of how there was a backlog of people on ever seeing the pictures of those waiting to climb the Hillary steep to make their final descent to the peak it was like looking at a queue at Disneyland people lined up even with the deaths that occurred it still didn't equal the deadliest day ever on Everest which took place in 1996 From that day there were several people that lost their lives in a sudden storm that came up on the slopes of Everest and one of those who died was a 46 year old Japanese FedEx employee by the name of Yasuko Namba. At that point she wanted to be one of the oldest women to ever climb Everest and she was a very driven lady. Already by the age of 46 she had climbed the other six tallest mountains in the world and Everest was going to be the crowning achievement. Krakauer, who was a part of the expedition in which she was climbing, said there was no doubt she was driven. You could see it in her eyes. Even as they were climbing and making the final descent to the top, she passed people up on the trail in her eagerness to attain her goal. However, after they had made the apex of the climb and were on their way down, Yusuko succumbed to exhaustion and froze to death on the descent. Krakauer in writing about it says this, tragically Yusuko died because of the fatal flaw, this fatal flaw. She had adopted the wrong goal. Her goal had been to get to the top of the mountain. But Krakauer says, any professional climber will tell you this. The goal is not to get to the top of the mountain. The goal is to get back down safely. That's the goal. And he says she died simply because she had the wrong goal. If you were to write down your goal in life right now, what would it be? I'm not talking about a five or ten year plan or an immediate goal of starting school or getting a degree. I'm asking you, where is your life aimed? You've been given the currency of life. How are you going to spend it? What are you going to pursue? Jesus is saying clearly a life that feasts on him as the bread of life is a life that will reap benefits into eternity. Now this has got the crowd's attention. Verse 28. What must we do to be doing the works of God? In other words, what does God want us to do? All right, Jesus, you've piqued our curiosity. We want this eternal life. Now, tell us what we need to do. And now, Jesus introduces the second reason people seek signs but miss the Savior. It's self-sufficiency. Jesus answers them, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. What does God want us to do? It's ironic again that Jesus had told them that the Son of Man will give to you. The Son of Man will give you eternal life. But I think in their mind, they heard it like many of us do. It's like a wage. I do the work, you give me what I deserve. And so that's the way that they're approaching it. What must I do? There's an element of control and pride here. I can do the work. I can earn eternal life. Just tell me what God requires. So Jesus answers the question. This is the work that God requires. Believe in Him whom He has sent. Believe in Jesus. What we will see next week is that the very thing God commands of us, believe in Jesus, is the very thing that God Himself supplies God gives us what we need to be obedient unto Him. But that's hard for us to accept. We like to maintain the illusion of our independence. That we are the masters of our fate. And God calls us to the truth. We can't save ourselves. We can't earn eternal life. We can't get the bread of life on our own. Eternal life is a gift that must be received by faith. It is the gift of God. Faith means trusting Jesus completely. It means giving up any notions we have that we can meet our own deepest spiritual needs. It is reaching the point in humility of saying, Lord, I can't. But I'm trusting Jesus who can The tragic pictures of that one who is being offered life and rejects it. At 4 a.m. on the morning of August 30th of 2005, helicopter pilot Ian McConnell along with the rest of his air station was summoned to the Coast Guard Aviation Training Center in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. That center became the base of rescue operations in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. McConnell and his crew were ordered to keep five H-60 helicopters airborne on missions at all times around the clock. The first airborne teams that flew over New Orleans were amazed at the devastation wrought by Katrina. A train track that had run parallel to the ocean had been pushed inland 15 feet. A houseboat was floating down Highway 90. The entire city of New Orleans flooded. McConnell's crew got right to work. He said on their first three missions, they saved the lives of 89 people, three dogs, and a cat. But on the fourth mission, he says, they came back and saved no one. They're very frustrated at that fact. And it wasn't because of lack of trying. There were dozens of people on rooftops. And the helicopters would get low enough and begin communicating with the people, but they would refuse They would say, just send us what we need. We'll survive. We'll make it. And they were warned. McConnell and his crew would say, you're you're in danger. The water is higher. It's going to get higher for a long time. He said, I felt very frustrated because these people did not know how desperate their situation was. Here is the Savior He is saying what you desire is right in front of you. All you have to do is believe. So today I ask you, you read the scripture, you see the signs, but do you believe in the Savior? Are you willing to say, I will trust in Jesus and Him alone? I want to ask you to bow your heads with me if you will.